Good morning. I'm here to help you fill out a liability waiver form for this thing you got when you came inside. Not true, not true. We're talking renovatus here at Grace Chapel. And I want to talk to you a little bit about renovation as it relates to the church and another dimension of church life here at Grace Chapel, life groups. My wife and I, Jackie, and our three daughters have been here involved with Grace Chapel for about the last 10 years. And that's one of the places that has really stuck with us. Key in on that word for a minute, stuck. It's been a place of ministry, a place of growth for us here at Grace Chapel to be involved with life groups. And so in the spirit of renovation, I wanted to talk to you about how you could be challenged to consider getting your life renovated through a life group as we move into the fall. And I want to use the analogy of being sticky. You know, when you renovate something around the house, a lot of the times it needs to hold together, needs to stick together. So I have some illustrations here to kind of bring out for you why it is you may want to consider life group ministry for yourself and your growth here at Grace Chapel. First off, I have a stick'em mousetrap. Now, some of you have seen these. We're going to be very gentle in the description here today so that you don't uh, go too far with your thoughts. But when Mr. Mouse, when he steps on this, see there, it works even at home, he does not move. He gets held in place. And just like we sang that the Lord would hold us, I think that's an illustration of life groups. They help to hold us in place. In a world where we're prone to get involved in the rat race more and more and more, no pun intended there, the mousetrap is an illustration of being stuck, not to be trapped, but to hold you in place to slow us down, to give us a place where we're regular and in a rhythm with other people, talking about God's word, talking about our lives with one another. One renovation. Another renovation that I found this morning that's actually on top of my head. This bag's getting very sticky, as you can tell. Hair gel. Hair gel. You see my long locks up here. I put a little of that in there today. Hair gel. And hair gel helps you to be sticky in the sense that it helps things go the proper direction. The proper direction. The idea being in that our lives are so prone to get off course. And a life group is a group of people that comes together to help us go the direction we want to go. And we know the Lord wants us to go. But temptation and struggle and busyness get in the way of that at times. And so a life group helps to get us going in the right direction and staying there. And lastly, some of you may have had this this morning. Syrup. Now, this is sticky stuff, sticky in the way that it attaches to other food products that helps bring what? Helps bring some flavor, some taste to what we're experiencing. And that's another dimension of life groups. They're sticky in the sense they bring taste to our lives. The connection that we get to have with people, the friendships we build, brings some flavor and tastiness to the life we're experiencing in church. And so life groups are going to be promoted here and talked about for the next two or three weeks. Even in the sermon today, you'll hear it talked about. And we want to encourage you to really look at this opportunity. We've got a sign-up booth right out here to the right-hand side that will get some information from you if you're interested. That will help us organize these. 
and there's some dates coming up to meet some of the leaders that are already predetermined and signed up that will lead groups in homes or here at the church. So look forward to that. Thanks for your attention this morning. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full, sta the full stature of Christ. Uh, I love having, and I'm gonna we're going to continue to do this, I love having um, our students, high school and junior high students, get up and, uh, and read the scripture. We're going to continue that um, because as we're talking about renovatus and renovating our church and renovating our lives, part of, part of renovation is that we build into each other. We're going to be talking about that this morning. Ephesians, uh, this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13, really lays it out for us. This morning, we're going to continue our series, Renovatus. I got some great emails from you this week. I'm so encouraged. After last week, and we talked about David and the, the psalm. In Psalm 51, David's desire to have a new heart and a steadfast spirit, and how that impacted many of your lives, to be able to break free some, from some of the things that were holding you back, some of the things that you were holding on to, and then crying out to God last week and saying, you know what, God, I need to let this stuff go. I, I want a new heart. I want a steadfast spirit. I want to live my life completely for you. And as God answers our prayers to renew and to restore and to renovate our, our lives and our church, you know, it, it ultimately, that change ultimately leads us to one unmistakable destination, and that is our obedience to his call. If we are going to renovate our lives, if we truly say, God, I want you to renovate my life. I want renovatus happening in my life. I want renewal in my life. That will lead us to one ultimate destination. And that is us saying to God, I want to follow. I want to be obedient to what you're calling me to do, to use the gifts and abilities that you've called me to use. Let me ask you a question. Are you feeling God's pleasure as you use uh, the gifts and abilities that God has given you uh, as he has purposed and planned out your life, are you, are you feeling the pleasure of God in your life, using your gifts, your talents, and your abilities? You know, as a pastor, one of my passions is to, is to allow you, to help you, to encourage you to use your gifts to use your talents so that you can fulfill the purpose for which God created you and you can literally feel his pleasure. Now, you were given a nail when you first came in. I said, get the biggest nails you could when I talked to one of our guys this week, Logan. I said, Logan, get, get, get the biggest nails you could. And he found some good-sized nails. Keep these out of the, hand, the hands of children. But these nails are to remind you of two things. Number one, I want them to remind you of the reason why we serve. The reason why we serve, and that is because Jesus Christ gave himself as a sacrifice on the cross for us. 
He gave up his life, and he calls us to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices. Most of us will not have to give up our physical lives for God. No one, most of us are not going to be in a situation where someone's going to say, you know, uh, you know I'm going to take your life if you claim to be a Christian. But what Christ does say is that we need to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices. So the first thing is to make sure that we remember why we are doing what we're doing, why we're serving. And then the second thing is to pick one thing, to pick one thing within the church, within the body of Christ, pick one thing and get involved, engage yourself in that area of ministry. I want you to take this nail home with you. I want you to put it in some prominent place where you can see it and it can remind you of the sacrifice Christ made on the cross for us and that he calls us to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, to give ourselves, to give ourselves to him. You know, I know what some of you are thinking when I, when I start sharing, like, getting involved and serving the Bible. It, it's, this is basically what the Word of God tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, that the, the, the leadership of the church, that God has given us the abilities that we have in order to invest in each other's lives so that we will then invest in other people's lives and renovatus will take place, transformation will take place. And when I say that, some of you might be thinking, you know, um, I'm not sure that I have the, you kind of step back a little bit, because I'm not sure I have the, the, the knowledge or the skill to do what you might ask me to do. Some of you are here for the, for the first time. Some of you maybe aren't really big-time churchgoers. You, you, you come to Grace Chapel, you were invited, and you kind of like what you hear the last couple of weeks, but you've never really gone to church before. So here's the pastor asking you to get involved and do something. You think, I'm not sure that I have the gifts, the skills, the abilities, the knowledge in order to do that. Well, I guess I, the only thing I could say to you is, why don't you just step out and try? You've you got to try. You know, one of the most amazing things that happened when we were talking about Renovatus uh, a few months back in the staff meeting, we were talking about Renovatus, and let's, let's bring this to the church, renovate, we're renovating, we, uh, you have to go see the classrooms out here. I mean, the staff worked 12 hours a day this past week to get these classrooms ready. We're working on so many areas of the church. Sometimes you can't see the renovations, but make sure you peek in these three classrooms here. We brought the nursery and the, and the younger kids out from the way back here, out into the foyer area. So it's so nice, so bright, so cheery for them. So make sure you check that out. But as we were going through renovatus in our minds, one of the things personally that I started thinking about was, what are some things in my life that I can change? Some attitudes that I have that I can kind of, I can push back, that I can say, you know what, that, that may be something that someone has told me or, or something I believe about myself, but I want to I wanna overcome those things. And one of the things that stuck in my mind was, I talk a lot that I'm not the handiest person who ever walked the planet, okay? My wife will tell you that in, in different small groups, and we'll joke about it, and people will tell you that Pastor Jeff is not very handy. But you know what? My father, I thought to myself, my father is a, is a contractor. My brother is a contractor. The Greers all over the world are, are building things and, and sculpting things. And I mean, so my attitude was genetically, it's got to be in there somewhere. You know what I mean? I didn't grow up my, with my father or my brother, and so I grew up with my mom, and she's not very handy, so I just, you know, assumed that I, you know, I just not my thing. But now I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step out, and I'm going to try. Even though I haven't really done a lot of things, I'm going to try. And so I, I, uh, one of my friends, Jody, from the church, he came over, 
And, um, and he was helping me build a, a, a chicken coop. We have some chickens in the backyard. I like them. They walk around. They're very pleasant. And they lay eggs, so we don't have any kind of salmonella problem in our house. Um, and so we had this chicken coop, and he started building a chicken coop. Well, he got real busy, like we all do, and he said, you know, I'll come back. And I said, no, don't come back. Let me try to finish building this chicken thing by myself. So I, you know, I, I put the roof on, the, the little roof there for him, and I, 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 did, I did some trim, and, and then I did something that was completely, well, blow your mind, okay? Prepare yourselves. I built something with angles, okay? Oh, yeah, I know. You can say, ooh, if you want to. Go ahead. Ooh, yeah. Inside the chicken, and I put a latch on the door, so you lift the door of the chicken house up, and you just reach in and get the eggs. I, put, I, cut, the, I cut it out. I put the door thing on there, put little latches on there. I actually put one of those, you know, things that kind of lock and everything on there, so, you, so predators don't get in. And then I built a little chicken area with a little nesting. It was a nesting box, but it had to have angles, which always, I stopped right there. If it had to have angles, it was over, okay? I couldn't build it, but I built it. Oh, you wouldn't believe. I started, the, 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 uh, the, the intensity of my ability started to come out now. And so I thought, well, if I can, do, if I can build something with angles, maybe I can put the toilet in it upstairs in our bathroom. We went into a new toilet. So I went, hey, you laugh. Wait a second. And so I, got, I took the old toilet out. I figured, you know, I, is this a toilet? I put the other toilet in there, stuck it in there. I fl- this is one that I was like singing hallelujah praises. I flushed the toilet and no water came out. It came out, you know, it came out, you know what I'm saying? It went, went the right place, though. It wasn't leaking or anything. I was like, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. So there it is. And I, I caulked, I caulked right around the edge there with caulking, you know. And then I put the sump pump in. And then, and then, get ready for this, I put stairs off the deck. I built stairs. I built stairs off the deck. It was shocking to me as well. You're all sitting, you're like stunned. I know, I can see your faces. You're stunned. But I, think I put stairs on, I built it, helped build a chicken thing, I put a, bath, uh, put a toilet in, I did a sump pump. Now, this is a shameless attempt for someone to help me with this, but um, I'm going to do it anyway because I'm the pastor, and I had the pulpit. Um, my, uh, what is it called, the garbage disposal broke. And I'm not, I don't want to attempt the garbage disposal yet, so if any experts in garbage disposal, you know, fixing, give me a call. I'll have you come over and help me do it, or you'll do it and I'll watch you. I just don't want to pay someone to do it so you can help me. I just, <laughs> so I... <laughs> That's right. See, this is what I do. Shameless pleas for people to help me. But listen, I was able to overcome that. Now I'm building it. I'm going crazy at my house. Things are, I'm, the basement flooded a little bit with that sump pump. Now, boy, watch out. I get my little belt on. I'm dangerous. I'm a dangerous person at my house. Remember that Cosby show where Bill Cosby would run around thinking he'd fix things? That's me now, brothers and sisters. That's me. So I'm going to keep doing it. And all I'm saying is that if you're thinking, well, I can't do this, or I'm not sure I can do that. I don't have the knowledge to do this or that. You know what? Step out and try. I stepped out and tried and realized, you know what? It actually is in there. I can actually do those things. It was just kind of fear keeping me from doing it because I don't want to mess things up. But I went out and did it. So I want you to step out and try. Give it that try. Allow God to show you, because honestly, I feel, and I'm not joking, I feel so good right now when it comes to what I can do, my abilities. It it, it showed me a different part of myself. When you serve God, it shows you a different part of yourself that you may have never known you had. 
But now God's going to use you and help you and help you really grow in your relationship with him and also in your service of other people. When you serve other people, you begin to see things you never thought were possible. Now, notice I gave you one nail. All I'm saying there is that one person, one job. All we're asking you to do is one job. Pick one thing, whether it's children's ministry or youth ministry or being a greeter or being in the parking lot, helping to park cars or whatever it is, make sure you pick just one thing and get involved in that one thing. This morning in our study of Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13, I want to look at what it means to empower leadership within the church. What does it mean to empower leadership within the body of Christ? Now, first, I want to talk about what it doesn't mean. What it doesn't mean. Empowering leadership has nothing to do with enhancing the power or decision-making authority of the existing leaders of the church. It's like somehow we have a vote, and we're going to empower the leaders to do more things. It has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with the church members blindly following one all-powerful, almighty leader and making sure that the, what the congregation's job is to make sure that, my, that I am fulfilled, that all of my dreams and all of my aspirations and all of my whatevers are fulfilled, that's your job to fulfill my dreams. That's not what we're talking about. This is the body of Christ. This isn't Jeff Greer's church. This is the body of Christ. This is our church. So when I talk about empowering leaders, it has nothing to do with giving more power to a smaller group of people. We're talking about reaching out and using the gifts that God has given us to make sure that we're all built up in Christ and using those gifts and abilities because that will help grow the church. You know, one of the problems that I find in the church today is that the mentality of the body is that, um, you know, you, we, have, we, have lay, we, have, we have pastors, we have paid pastors, and so they're responsible to do all the work. That's not true. That is so unbiblical. It is completely false. You all tithe, you give your tithe, and that allows me to work full-time at the church. It allows me to put all of my energy into the church, into you, building into your life and some other staff as well. Some of you have other jobs. You have jobs that you do outside of the church. Most of you do. And so you give a portion of your time to the church in area of service. That's the difference. But you're still responsible for the time that God has given you to serve within the body of Christ because it is the body of Christ. It doesn't go Jesus and then Pastor Jeff and then all the little minions. That's not how it goes. It goes Jesus is the head and we, we together, together are the body of Christ. That's what God has called. That's what God wants. And what we're talking about here is the opposite of one person getting all more authority. Empowering leaders refers to leaders empowering people. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about leaders investing in people. Investing, it says, to prepare. My job and the leaders of the church, we are to prepare God's people. We are to prepare you to do the work of ministry. What are we preparing you to do? Well, teaching. Our job is to teach you and equip you and invest in you and to motivate you and inspire you and guide you and train you and mentor you and disciple you to become the people that God has created you to be. That's our job. That is our number one job. My number one job is to invest in your life. Now, think about it. Where is the best place for that to take place? Would it be in a Sunday morning worship service like this where I'm the one speaking, you're all listening? Or would it be in a place where, where the, for discipleship and mentoring and investing and all those, is it in a, in a large group setting like this or in a smaller group setting? 
You know, what we have here at Grace Chapel, we call them life groups. And we have seen the tremendous change that life groups have made in people's lives as they've invested into life groups. And I asked a couple people to come up and share with you how God has been working in their lives through our life groups. Such a joy to be in God's house today. This would give new meaning to the word nail it. <laughs> this is uh, Mike and Karen Gagan. And uh, we were part of a, uh, a group that Jeff actually initiated last January uh, here at the church building. We met. Uh, it, it was just called Wednesday Night Connect, and whoever uh, felt like coming would come and join in the group, and, and uh, a whole bunch of us would show up, and then we would divide up into small groups. And so I'm going to ask uh, a few questions to Mike and Karen. I love these guys. Uh, they haven't missed many of these Wednesday nights, and it's been a joy uh, to get to know them. Tell us a little bit about your family, uh, what you do for a living and how long you've been coming to Grace Chapel? We've been coming to Grace for about three years. Um, regular, regularly, our son started coming with a group of kids from King's Young Life back a little bit before that, and we, we came a little bit then, but then regularly made a switch from a church we were really involved in to here. Uh, we have two children, a son that just graduated from Notre Dame and a daughter that will be a sophomore at UC in nursing. And we have a business in Lebanon. We run a small printing business that we're both involved in. If any of you have seen the Minuteman uh, sign on the side of the car out there, that's, uh, that's, that's their us. business. Um, w when Jeff announced this, I mean, what, what was it that motivated you guys to come? Well, I'll admit that I came because she said she wanted to do it. Um, we were very involved at our former church. We enjoyed coming here. We liked the services. We liked Jeff's sermon, the music, everything about it, but didn't really feel involved or connected and uh, felt like we wanted to take that step and get to know people better, and that was a kind of a painless way to do it. Karen, did you have any fears or concerns about this? I was a little nervous about starting. I, it's, I was I'm by, by no means a Bible scholar. Um, wasn't really comfortable, familiar with the Bible. I was familiar with it, but just you know, not that person who could cite scripture or, and wondered whether or not I knew enough to go to a small group. And, and that was, that notion was quickly dispelled. You know, there were plenty of people who knew lots of things and, and then others who were in that growing stage right where I was. So it was a good place. Okay, and Mike, uh, were you apprehensive about getting engaged in a, a group like this? Any fears, anything? Yeah, I, I, it was kind of intimidating. I'm comfortable around people and getting to meet people, but uh, the Bible part of it, the uh, intensity, uh, I wondered what it would be like, whether I'd be comfortable or not. So it turned out to be um, very easy to be part of, um, participate at whatever level you want to participate. Um, I don't say a lot. Um, it's just a nice time to think and reflect and refresh and um, some people get deeper into it than others but uh, there's no reason to be intimidated at all. So nobody made you read the Bible or pray or handle snakes or anything like that? Nope. 
Okay. You can participate at whatever level you want to. Karen, what's been the biggest blessing to you uh, being a part of this group? I, it's in addition to just the, the connection to the, the folks that are in the group, um, the, the encouragement to get into the Bible, to, to grow my relationship with Jesus. I, it's, I've um, developed a, a pattern now of, of reading the, my Bible every day, which is something I had never done before. And then the other thing that happened um, is part of the group. Um, Cheryl, Gary's wife, I, I mentioned that I would be interested in going to the women's retreat, but that taking that step by yourself is, and walking into a group is kind of scary, and Cheryl said, well, come with me, <laughs> and, and to go in with a buddy was really nice, so um, it, it's reached out, helped me to reach into some other things at church as well. And Mike, what, what have you appreciated most about being a part of Wednesday? Oh, the biggest thing is the friendships, getting to meet people and feel like you're involved. And now I feel like we have quite a few friends when we come here on Sunday and uh, when we come on Wednesday night. It's just a nice time to um, meet and greet and talk and get involved with people. Karen, what would you say to someone who isn't sure whether or not they would want to participate in a life group? I, it's, I'd really encourage you to give it a try. It, it It's really not... I know walking into something new is, is always a little bit intimidating, but it's a great group of people. There are folks there that, that share the same hesitation that you do. So um, I, I would strongly suggest that, that you go and give it a try. It's a really wonderful, supportive group once, once you get going. And uh, Mike, what would you say to some of the guys who would be uh, reluctant cave dwellers who uh, might not want to connect? Uh, there's no reason to be scared or intimidated at all. Uh, it's just a great time out of the hectic uh, rat race that we're all part of. It's looking forward to Wednesday night and just the time, downtime, think, reflect, uh, pause. It's something I really look forward to, and it's not something I, you know, here we have to go again kind of thing at all. It's something I really look forward to, and uh, it's made me a better person, I think, participating in it and just giving me different perspectives on life and participate at whatever level, however deep you want to get into it. And you guys are going to continue on? Absolutely. That's great. Yes. Let's give them a big hand here. You know, empowering people has to do with leadership of the church investing, like I said, in groups of believers, helping them discover and live out their unique giftedness living out their, 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 their gifting of God. That's what we're trying to do. What, the goal here is that we, again, as leaders, invest in the people within the body of Christ and that you then would grow in your relationship with Christ so that you can invest in others who will then serve and lead. That's the goal. If we don't have that, you can't just have a few people at the top doing all the work. And we don't have that at Grace Chapel at all. We have people come out this whole week who are constantly investing and giving their time beyond what they nor where they normally serve to really do some renovations on the church. And so we've got people who are truly investing. But that's the goal. The goal of what Christ has for us is for us to invest in each other, to put into each other, becoming, becoming a church that empowers people to discover their life purpose 
people who are willing to invest in in each other's lives, people who truly want to feel God's uh, pleasure in that process begins, truly begins with a church leadership that is committed to a biblical role or biblical model of, of, of leadership investment, of people being invested in two. That needs to happen from the top down. And when we see that happen in our lives and God begins to use us, I mean, miracles begin to happen. You know, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that Christ gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be teachers and, and pastors. And, uh, and, you know, I want to go through this. I want to walk through each of those because Christ has called different people within the body to have different sets of gifts. So I want to I take a look at those roles. First, let's look at the apostles. The apostles. There are no apostles like, like Paul and, and Peter and John any longer within the church. There's no a capital, capital A apostles with their specific and unique apostolic authority. You're not going to have that anymore in the church. And I'm talking, not saying you don't have the gift. I'm talking about that apostolic authority. Like I said, Peter and Paul and people like, like John. But we do have apostles in the church, lowercase a, people who are used by God to do unique areas of ministry. Like we have people who can plant churches. We have people who are involved in missions, going on the missions field, mission field. We have people within the church who use their gifts to oversee a small group of churches. So they're using their apostolic gifts within the church. There are, there, likewise, there are no prophets in the church any longer. Now, don't get excited. Relax before you get, wow, you're talking about no prophets. What I'm saying is no prophets like Elijah and, and Isaiah and uh, John the Baptist, but we do have prophets within the church. I'm talking again, uppercase P instead of lower. We do have people within the body of Christ, prophets, through whom God speaks specific, uh, specific message appropriate for a, a particular need or situation. So people will use that gift within the body of Christ to speak into a specific need in a person's life or a specific situation into a person's life. Because again, there, there, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the prophets had a specific uh, prophetic authority Okay, that we don't, it's not the same as we have today. They have a specific prophetic authority, but we still have that gift within the church now being used by individuals to, to, to speak into or to bring uh, encouragement, okay, and dis- they use the discernment and their, and their wisdom and giftedness to speak into people's lives that God, as God leads. We also have evangelists still in the church today, though we don't see them like we would years ago. That's not because the gift still doesn't exist, that's because of fear. That's really because of cultural fear. There are so many people out there right now who have the gift of evangelism within this church, but they're not using that gift because the culture told them, your your relationship with Jesus is personal, so keep it to yourself. You go to your church, you can pray at home, you can have uh, whatever you want, but you don't bring it outside of your church building or your home. You keep it to yourself. That is not biblical. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have a personal relationship with God and that you need to keep that personal relationship with God to yourself. You have a personal relationship with God, but Christ tells us to go and share what that means in our hearts, to share the love of Jesus Christ with others evangelism is still a gift that should be used in the church. It's just not used as much because the culture has pushed us back into a spirit of fear, and so it's not being used. Many of the gifts of the Spirit 
are not used within the church because of fear, because the world has pushed back on us and said, you keep that stuff to yourself. And so we're not using those gifts that God has given us to build up the, the body of Christ. We're not using that gift of prophecy. We're not using the apostolic gift. We're not using the gift of evangelism. And we also have pastors and we have teachers. Now, for pastors and teachers, they're probably referring here in this text to the same office, to the same office with a dual function. These are people who invest in the lives of others to help them reach maturity in Jesus Christ and who also protect the body of Christ from spiritual harm. They pray against spiritual harm coming into the lives of people within the body of Christ. They protect the body of Christ from people coming into the church and causing division and creating a divisive spirit within the church. That is part of the role of a pastor or a teacher, to, to teach you spiritual truth and help you to maturity and to protect you from spiritual harm. Now, the role of the pastor is not to be the jack of all trades, wearing 20 hats, spinning 10 plates kind of guy. It's not the guy who involves himself in every area of ministry and is expected to do every area of ministry well. That's the, see, that's what people think sometimes. You come from churches that basically have one person or a few people doing all the work, and you, that's what you pay them to do, and everybody else just sits back and does you know, pretty much nothing, and that's not what happens here at Grace Chapel, and we want to continue that culture of understanding what a pastor's role is. All pastors do not have the same gifts. All pastors are not the same. They have a unique spiritual gift mix that varies from person to person. They have different passions. They have different abilities. They have different personalities. They have different life experiences. Each pastor is different. A pastor is given gifts by God to use within the body of Christ to build up the body, just as each one of you have gifts that were given by God to build up the body of Christ. The pastor is not the one who is supposed to do all the work and he's supposed to do it all so well. That, that's why we have the body of Christ, because no one person or a group of people can do all things well within the body. Like I said before, it doesn't go Jesus to the pastor or pastors and then to the rest. It's basically Jesus is the head and we are the body of Christ. My job is to equip and empower you to do the work of service, to invest in the lives of others so the body of Christ can be built up. We believe at our church, transformed lives transform lives. As I invest in your life, renovatus, and your life is transformed to the power of the Holy Spirit, you then invest in other people's lives, so then invest in other people's lives. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, it reminds us of this. Listen, each one, each one, each one... Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. My responsibility as a pastor of this church is to help you live out that verse. That's my job, to help each one of you live out this verse. If we're going to be a church that empowers people, if we're going to be a church that truly invests and empowers people, that we need to continue to develop a church culture that does not, does not uh, you know, handcuff leadership, is not afraid to let leadership go. We can't handcuff leadership. We need to empower leadership. We don't need to control and use people the wrong way. We need to empower leaders within the church. 
The, that is the church's responsibility. That's the leadership responsibility to invest in your lives, to allow you to do the work of ministry. We need to empower you, not control you. That's what the Bible calls us to do. Listen to me. This is so important. This is so important. And, and it's a discouragement to me sometimes I see this happen. But you are not a commodity to be used, but a community to be cherished. You are not a commodity to be used, but a community to be cherished. Your goal in life is not to make sure that you build Jeff Greer's kingdom. We are all here together to build God's kingdom. Me using the gifts that he's given me, you using the gifts that he's given you, and working together as the body of Christ, we build the kingdom of God. We further the cause of Jesus Christ. You are not a commodity to be used. And be careful. Be careful. Because in our culture today, that is sometimes what happens. You, we, all together are a community to be cherished. We cherish each other. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for the people who love him. Ravi Zacharias, in his book, The Grand Weaver, wrote this, if God has prepared something for me that will literally take my breath away, then even though he plans to give me a new kind of body and mind, he must have a specific purpose for my body and mind here as well. And here's my response to that. Aren't you curious to find out what that is? If God has, you know, God offers us eternity. He's going to give us eternity. We're going to have a new mind and a new body. That's true. But you know what? He gave us a mind and a body here as well. And God wants to take our breath away, obviously in heaven and eternity, but he wants to take our breath away here on earth as well. And so the question we should be asking ourselves is, I'm curious to see what that looks like in my life, that God would do something so amazing, so powerful, that it would take my breath away. That's what God wants for each one of us as we invest and build into each other. That's what God wants to see in our lives. We need people in this church who are not afraid to lead. We need people in this church who understand that they are uniquely designed by God to fulfill his purpose in their lives, to build up the body of Christ. You read your Bible. Every gift of the Spirit, every gift is given. And what the main reason it's given, the main reason this gift is given is to build up the body of Christ. That's why people sometimes are afraid of using gifts or they're afraid of even talking about gifts because they've watched people misuse them, misuse the leadership of the church, misusing its authority in some way. People who have gifts and abilities and different gifts of the Spirit misusing those gifts to bring glory to themselves. And so people start to go, I don't appreciate that. I don't like that. Because, but, that's, but what we need to look at is say, why do we use gifts and abilities? To build up the body of Christ. You were given talents. You were given gifts. You were given abilities. You were given resources. And the reason you were given them is to glorify God and to build up the body of Christ. To use those gifts to enhance each other. To raise up to all of us so we can all come to maturity. That's what the gifts are given for. The church needs to be people who are willing, my friends, to follow the leader, yes. But at the same time, they need to be willing to think for themselves. Ministry, 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 what we do here is fluid and dynamic. It's fluid and it's dynamic and, and we need to trust, you need to trust yourself. 
If you want to build the ministry, you need to trust yourself and the abilities and gifts that God has given you because ministry is so dynamic and so fluid. You can't always go back and keep, you know, should I do this or should I move forward? You need to have the courage to step out and use the gifts that God has given you to advance the kingdom of God, to advance the cause of Jesus Christ. And you cannot be afraid to fail. You cannot be afraid to make mistakes. If you're, if you're sincere in your heart and you're desiring to honor God, you're going, you're, you're in, that, in that process, you're going to make mistakes. You know, I could write a book, and it would be as long as War and Peace, and it would be called The Mistakes I Made in Ministry. It, I mean, it would have volumes. There would be volumes. But you know what? If you don't make mistakes, it means you're not trying something new. You're not stepping out in faith. You're going to do things, and you're going to make mistakes along the way. God's going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. But you can't be afraid to step out and use the gifts and abilities that God has given you to build up the body of Christ. Fully empowered leaders will develop new ideas. They're, they're not going to just do things the way they've always been done. That's what we're looking for. We're not looking for people to want to do things the way they've always been done. I would love to start a singles ministry. I can, in, I can invest in the lives of singles and help them lead, but you know what? I'm not single, and single adults understand the culture better than I do, and they will bring to the table of the singles ministry gifts, abilities, uh, knowledge that I do not have. We want to build a dynamic. We want to reach out and disciple junior high and high school students within the church. And we need to invest in the lives of leaders who understand the culture and then invest in the lives of students who will be willing to reach out to their generation. But that, that won't happen if one person expects to, you know, oh, I've got all the knowledge, I have all the understanding. You don't. I don't. None of, none of us have it all, but we use the gifts that God has given us to reach out to the area of ministry that God has called us I, 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 I want to make sure, I want to make absolutely sure that the future vitality of our children's ministry is strong, that it's strong, that it's vibrant. That means we need people who are willing to think outside of the box, people who have a passion and understand what children love and how they learn. People who, you know, new, new blood, infusing new blood into the ministry with new ideas and new passions and allow our children to be invested in by people who truly want to think in a way that says, you know what, I know it's always been done this way, but what, are the, what is the culture, what is our church culture? I'm not talking about copying culture, but where are our children now and what is the most effective way to reach them for Jesus Christ and to teach them and to love them and to train them up in Christ? We want people who are willing to awaken their imagination, again, to think outside the box, to color outside of the lines, to awaken their imagination, to ignite their passion, and then to unleash their purpose. So imagine if you would, I mean, you should sit back sometimes and say, if I could build, if I could become a part of this ministry, and I could help design, and I could help use my gifts to create the best ministry that the universe has ever seen, what would that look like? And start dreaming and then use those gifts and abilities to then invest in that ministry and make those dreams a reality. That's what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about. We don't need the same old, same old. We need people who are willing to take that extra step. Churches that are more concerned with controlling leaders than empowering leaders will die. They'll stagnate and they will die. That's why we have to constantly be thinking, how can we build, how can I use my gifts and my talents and my abilities to build up? And I want to unleash, I want to, we want to, as a church leadership, to unleash you. 
on the church to use what God has given you to make a difference in the lives of others. It boils down to this. It really boils down to this. We want to equip the saints, that's you, to do works of service, to own the ministry, to invest your life in the lives of others so that others are lifted up, others are built up, and then they can become servants of God as well, using their gifts and abilities to impact the lives of others. And one of the best places for for you to take that first step, if you haven't taken it already, is to get yourself involved in a life group. In a life group, building relationships with other people who then can invest in you. I can only do so much for a half hour sermon or 35 minute sermon on Sunday mornings. What you need is people who you build relationships who will then invest in you on a weekly or bi-weekly basis and infuse in you the gifts that they have, show, you know, share with you and mentor you, disciple you, encourage you, inspire you, motivate you on a regular basis to use the gifts and abilities that God has given you. And I want to encourage you to make a commitment this morning to grow. Make a commitment this morning to use the gifts that God has given you to serve others and to further his kingdom. Because why else are we meeting here if, for, if not for that? Why, why, why do we come here together if not to, to glorify God, to further his kingdom, to, to, to further the cause of Jesus Christ, and to build into each other? Why, why else do we do this? To be social? You can go other places to be social. This is about investing your life, using the gifts that God has given you to invest in the lives of other people. To, to follow through that transformed lives, transformed lives. This is why we meet together. Let's just bow our heads and pray. God, we, we want to come before you right now and ask that you would use us in a powerful way, that you would take the gifts and abilities that you've given to us and that we would apply them to your body to build up your body, to build up the saints that are a part of this body, to further the cause of Jesus Christ, to invest in the lives of people, not only in our church, but in our community and around the world, that your gospel would go forward, that you would be glorified in everything. And Father, we ask that you would truly speak to each one of us. Show us where you want us to serve, and then allow us to be obedient to that call. And God, we'll give you the praise and glory for everything we know you're going to do in and through us because we pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Before you leave, remember something for me. Hold your nail up for one second. Hold it up. Remember, remember why you serve. This is important. Remember why you serve and then get, in, get connected, get involved. Have a great week.